This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. I'm Kathy Worthington, and I welcome you to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today, we have with us a special guest, Linda Wisniewski, who is the author of Off Kilter, A Woman's Journey to Peace with Scoliosis, Her Mother, and Her Polish Heritage, and the novel called Where the Stork Flies, and has reinvented herself several times. And I'm Mary Elkins. Linda has been a government worker a librarian, an entrepreneur, and teacher. She's won many writing awards and guides others to write the stories of their lives and encourages women to reinvent themselves after the age of 50, 60, and beyond. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Yes, indeed. Let's talk about time travel for older women. Can you explain that to us? (laughs) Well, The um, protagonist of my novel, Where the Stork Flies, which is a time travel novel, is a 50-year-old woman, and her sidekick is also 50. And that was very important to me to make them that age because a lot of um, books these days are read by and sold to older women, middle-aged and older women. Um, We have the time and we have the money to buy the books. So I thought um, I wanted to write about a heroine of that age. And the time travel comes in because I was inspired to write the story after I saw a family tree in which the oldest known ancestor is a woman who was born in 1778. And I was just taken by the idea of what she might think of my life in the 21st century. Mm. I couldn't find out very much about her. So I had to make it up (laughs) and I had to time travel her into the 21st century to see what she really would think. So, Uh yeah. So that's what I meant by time travel for older women. I time traveled an older woman to the 21st century, but um, yeah. 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 I didn't have a chance to read the whole thing yet, but I'm halfway through. Oh, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm partway through. Yeah, we're making it. Okay. So, <laughs> it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'd love to time travel. I mean, do you really believe in it? Do you think we can actually do this? You know, I, I'm a skeptic, but I'm open to that possibility. I wouldn't be surprised um, if it was proven to be true. I did some research when I was writing the book, and I found that... Um, People like Stephen Hawking, very smart people, um, wrote about it, um, that it was maybe possible. He never said it wasn't. 
people are looking into the idea of parallel universes or yeah, parallel universes. So you can be in another universe at the same time as the current one. So if you can do that, why not go back in time? And of course, everybody loves Outlander, you know, the books and the mm-hmm. series and would love yeah. to do that. So I, I think it's fascinating. And I like to believe that it is possible. I'm, I'm agnostic about it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, you also teach people to write their memoirs. What are some of the main points you stress when someone wants to do that? I tell them to just get started and do it and not second guess themselves. Don't start editing in their head before they put words on the paper. Don't worry about what your Aunt Mabel will think. Um, She may never have to read it. Just write what's in your heart and write what you want to write. You know, when you write a memoir, you don't have to tell everything. You don't have to tell your entire life story. You write the parts of your life that you are interested in getting down on paper that you want other people to know. Those are just a few of the things that I start with. So those are great points. People right. must come to you when they're when you're teaching them and they, they must have all these questions yes. about how to do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about people meeting their ancestors. What form does this take for you? Meeting my ancestors. Ooh, interesting question. I'm not... Um... <laughs> I'm not a medium or, you know, I I mean, I don't really meet my ancestors, but um, mentally, you know, to do the research, um, to think about this character, Regina, who is the real name of this uh, woman that was born in 1778 in Eastern Europe. I um, did quite a bit of reading um, and I watched a couple of movies set in that time period. Um, So I almost feel like I did meet her. Um, I have a pretty good idea of what her life would be like. My husband and I traveled to Poland with the Road Scholars, um, which is a group for um, older, over 50 travelers, which is a wonderfully educational organization. So they took us to Poland for two weeks. We went all over the country and we went to an outdoor museum called the Wisconsin, which is um, kind of like Williamsburg, Virginia. So it's a recreation, an outdoor recreation of what that time was like. Uh So you have um, live actors in period costumes, uh, you know, baking bread and churning butter. And um, so I was able to see what type of house she would have lived in, um, what her village would have looked like, what clothes she would have worn, what she would have done all day. So um, I kind of like to think that I really did meet her as close as I could without actually time traveling. So, Ah. yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to um, try to do something like that for all of us, maybe especially women to really appreciate the difference in the last 200 years, you know, how far we've come and um, whose shoulders we're standing on because uh, women before us worked really hard and we have a lot more choice in our lives, a lot more leisure time to spend, to read about them. Um, And I think it really gives us, at least with me, it gave me a new appreciation for what they went through and how lucky I am to have come after after them. No kidding. That's so true. When you think about what people went through and other centuries, uh, it's just we've lived a very easy life. So you spoke a little bit about your novel, Where the Stork Flies, but can you tell us what inspired you 
And also, what does the title mean? Okay, well, what inspired me, as I said, is that family tree. But I quickly, um, I thought I was telling Regina's story. And as a memoir teacher, I wrote it in the first person as if it was her memoir. But as I got into the story, as I said, I wanted to see what she would think of, of my life. And it evolved almost unconsciously into the modern woman's story. So her name is Kat, and um, she has Polish ancestry, of course. And the story became more about her search because I was taken with this idea of Regina having really no choices in her life, being really, um, her life is prescribed. She knows who she is, what she's supposed to do. Doesn't really have much, can't say much about it. Whereas in my life and those of my peers who came of age during the second wave of feminism with Gloria Steinem, Betty Friedan, um, The Second Sex, books like that, um, we have so many choices. And I think in a way we almost went overboard. It was like, you know, we can do it all and we have to do it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe all at the same time, you know, bring home the bacon and fry it in the pan. And I think we drove ourselves a little nuts with that. Um, and then the, the questioning I find, um, especially in my early adulthood, you know, do I have the right career? Um, is this the right boyfriend? Um, should I have children or not? Is this the right job for me? Um, and so I, I turned it into sort of a humorous question. You know, it was tough on the main character, but um, Regina finds it very funny that she's driving herself crazy with all these questions. She sort of wants to tell her, just, just live your life, please. Um, <laughs> so um, that was the inspiration. And that was the big question that I was trying to answer in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and the title, Where the Stork Flies, I came up with that because the stork is a very significant figure in Polish folklore. Oh. Um, they're, they're considered good luck, especially if they build a nest on your house, on top of your house. And they many of them do. Um, they're huge, huge birds. And we saw them when we went on our trip to Poland. It was in the spring. And they were building these nests on top of these huge um, Soviet-era concrete telephone poles. So they're like very sturdy, good place to build a nest on top of. And this, you know, big flat top. So it was perfect spot, the perfect spot for a stork nest. Um, so, so the poles are kind of reverential. About oh, yes. The storks. Oh, yes. When the storks fly, they spend the winter in North Africa. Mm-hmm. When they come back to Poland by the thousands in the early spring, you can, if you went on, on Polish Facebook or any social media, people are taking pictures of them and talking about them. And it's just a big, you know, kind of like when the swallows come back to Capistrano, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the storks fly back to Poland. So, and also, you know, the stork is, um, the land, the P- Poland, the land of my ancestors is the land where the stork flies. And there is a stork in the book. Um, she appears several times. She's not a main figure, but she does help the main character um, in a couple of scenes, three scenes. Mm. Oh, I haven't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm up to that part yet. Okay. That's fun. What a good ex- <laughs> explanation. Thank you. And I was going to ask you also, you've partially answered this, but what kind of research you did to write the novel? And also, why did you make the main character a librarian? Okay, um, let's see. Research. I'm 
a former librarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why not? Why not? And I thought, what better career for a woman who has to find stuff out? You know, <laughs> she knows she knows how to start looking. When I when I was going to library school, my friend said, "Oh, that's great. Librarians know everything." <laughs> and I laughed because, you know, they don't, but they know where to look. Mm-hmm. And then I realized after I became a librarian that they know where to start looking because there's always a new place to look. So I say that librarians know where to start looking for everything. Um, so I had some experience with that profession and I set uh, several of the early scenes in the book in a small library where I used to work. Um, librarians who have read it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they feel it's very realistic. Um, <clears throat> so I did research, as I said, reading uh, some books, watching some movies. I took a trip uh, and I actually emailed a few librarians in Poland who were great. They answered me in English because, of course, they know English um, uh-huh. about the village uh, where the real Regina came from. I didn't use that name. I made up a fake name. But um it was fun to just dig into all that and have it come to life in my head and try to bring it to life on the page. You know, the type of the trees that they had alongside the road and the, the plants and what the weather was like. That was Ooh, really yeah, at that time. Yeah. And tons of research that requires. Yeah. But it's and, always so interesting. Yeah. And fun. I, I really, as you know, being a librarian, I found that fun. But and then I had a lucky break because. I met at a writing conference, I met a a young woman who really is from Poland. She now lives in Pennsylvania. She's a professor at Millersville University. And she's, um, her PhD is in um, diaspora African literature. So she knows, um, you know, African-American poets and writers, but she's of course fluent in Polish. So I asked her if she would help me out because I said, you know, Regina is not gonna be able to speak English. And Kat is not going to be able to speak Polish. So I have to throw in a few Polish words in there uh-huh. until they get magically to understand each other. So she helped me. I, I gave her all the pages with the Polish phrase. I didn't make her read the whole book, but I gave her those pages. And she was great. She was so helpful. She straightened out a lot of it for me because I knew some things from my childhood. I went to a Polish school, uh, but Mainly what I know are prayers and Christmas carols. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. You know? It, so, it yes. So she helped me a lot with the. And there's the a book. little touch of magic in the book because when yes. Regina starts speaking English, boy, can she speak English. Yeah. <laughs> it's not rudimentary English. She all of a sudden gets it. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I, I just, I thought a little twist of magic, right? Yes, and I call it magical realism, and other people have, have said that as well, because it's set in the real world, uh-huh. although in two different time periods, but it's not a fantasy world, it's a real world, but there still is magic going on, so that's the difference between fantasy and magical realism. I feel like I read your mind a bit because when you were talking about uh, getting help in the Polish language, I was thinking about how your character, I guess it's Regina, because I'm not quite there yet. Um, she speaks in ancient Polish. So how did your, did your friend, your colleague actually have that knowledge or did you no. do more research? <laughs> no, we didn't even go there. Um, 
You know, I mean, no. Um, I thought about that, but I don't. I don't know if if, if some Polish scholar wants to quibble with me about the <laughs> fact that she's not speaking ancient Polish. I will apologize, but no. And she does, and she doesn't know it either, my friends. But see, um, that's the magic too, because she's able to understand the modern day. Polish right. translator. Yeah. Right, like, right, to, they right. have entire huge conversations yeah. in Polish. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do um I'm a volunteer docent at the home of the author Pearl Buck. Oh. And she of course grew up in China. So there there's a lot of Chinese artifacts in her house, and one of them is an old calligraphy of a Chinese saying. And so whenever I get Chinese people on my tour. I tell them what I I say it says, and I ask them to read it. And most of them look at it and they squint their eyes and they go, you know, it's trying like trying to read Chaucer. <laughs> it's like <laughs> old, old, trying to read old English. It's really hard, you know, and we can figure it out, but we'll be here all day. It's that, <laughs> it's, it's that true. old Mandarin, you know. It's true. So, and and I mean, even Shakespeare spelled the same word yeah, four or yeah. five different times, different ways, yeah, different ways. Yeah. Then they got away with it. <laughs> they got away with it and they, they made up words. So um, <laughs> tell me um, in talking about this, what was different for you going from memoir writing to fiction writing? And you, you touched on this, but um, are the principles the same? In some ways they are. So when you're writing a modern memoir, not an autobiography or biography, but a, a memoir, which is a slice of your life, you wanna make it a story, not a history. So you wanna have interesting characters. You wanna have a character arc. You want the main character to change through the story. You want her to come up upon some obstacles. You wanna have, um, accurate and concise um, dialogue that moves the story forward. So these are all things that are very similar between writing fiction and memoir. Hmm. Yeah, that oh. makes sense. Um, I have to ask you this, how much of where the stork flies is autobiographical? Not too much, actually. <laughs> As I said, um, I, I started um, thinking that it was the, the ancestor story and then I made the modern woman story so I guess the part that's autobiographical is that question I had um, about why you know why are we making it so hard on ourselves when we have so many multiple choices and the contrast between my life and her life as a woman with few or no choices um, I knew about how to be a librarian so that's autobiographical um, but that's about it. Um, I didn't. I never had a fake affair with anybody in the library. <laughs> <laughs> Just wishful thinking. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't well, think there were any men in the library when I was where I was working anyway. Because there's yeah. a, there's always memories that you recall when you're yes. writing, and and you you bring them in, even though the story yes. isn't autobiographical. Yes. And by the time you're my age, you know, you've seen a lot and you know how people react to certain situations. So you can think of any situation and you know how 
a woman of a certain age would feel or a man or, you know, you've just seen a lot of things, you know, how they, what they would say or what that type of person, um, what you think they would say. So I know we should all be reading books by older authors all the time. Well, yeah. And, you know, they More say that, um, and, I, and I think it's true, you know, that autobiographical question. I know a lot of other writers and I read a lot and I, I think that it's, they're all autobiographical in the way that we are all trying to answer some very deep question that we have about life and, and what it is to be human. I'm so point. fascinated to hear you describe how you're constructing a memoir, because up until right now, I would have said a memoir is autobiographical. And you're saying it's a completely different kind of thing. So my question with that is, what do you love most about teaching memoir writing? I love to see people relax and realize that it's their story to write and that they don't have to write what other people are telling them to write. And I love the, um, I love to see them learn. So I only teach adults and most of them are, you know, over 40. So they, you know, they, they don't necessarily think they know it all, but they sort of do. <laughs> Not to be conceited, but to think that, you know, they can't learn any more than they already know. And it's not true. And so I love to see the light bulbs go on when I, I give them a, say a lesson about um, writing a descriptive scene. And then they, they do a rough draft. And then um, I have them do homework where they email everybody the polished draft and everybody comments on it. And you can see the improvement. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. What do you hope readers will take away from your book, Where the Stork Flies? Uh, I have been asked that question many times, and I answer a different way <laughs> every time. That's good. I do. Um, depends on the day. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess I've said this before. Um, I hope they take away the the importance of appreciating what we have, um, being present for all of it, and not always be, I see this in my own life. Maybe this is why I've been reinventing myself <laughs> through the years. You know, I'm always looking at the next best thing, which is good when you're younger and you're trying to find your place in the world. But especially as women, I think we forget that we've already been a lot of good places and done a lot of good things. And it's okay to just say, Okay, you know, this is good. Um, and just appreciate that, uh, appreciate the people in our lives, um, the importance of unconditional love, um, loving people with all their flaws. Um, Kat, the main character, has a hard time with that. And that's probably one of the big lessons she has to learn, um, that people don't have to prove themselves to you. Um, just, you know, if they love you as you are, you can love them as they are. Um, sometimes we take our family and friends for granted um, while we're focusing on our achievements, you know, our goals in life, which I guess is normal when you're younger. But um, as you get older, I think we need to pay attention to that. And I also hope that um, some of the things they, that resonate with them are the beauty of nature, um, 
I love to write descriptive scenes about nature, especially, you know, these little villages and mountains and streams and things, you know, I have, I have really fun with that and with the animals and um, also the power of a faith in something bigger than ourselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes, because our main character, Kat, has to really embrace the concept of time travel just to deal with her everyday situation that's happened to her. She can't mm-hmm. deal with it unless, yeah. she, unless she wraps she her head around it. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to ask you, uh, how does being an older woman writer, and I say that in quotes, affect you, if at all? Does it? Is there a meaning to that to you, being an think, older woman writer? Yeah, I think so, definitely. I think I like to think I have um, a broader perspective. Um, I am in a support group. I guess it's a support group. It's a, um, yeah, it's a support group of a group of about six or eight older women writers. Some of them are in their 80s and still writing. <laughs> And they're very inspirational to me. And um, so, I, yeah, th- I think that that's, that's significant. Um, the fact that we can continue learning and growing and sharing um, our creativity. Um, you know, we could say it's wisdom or we could just say it's creativity. Um, that, and, and the fact that we don't know everything by a certain age um, one of my friends just, um, she's about 10 years younger than me. And over the weekend, she said, oh, I thought that by now I would be more confident and calm, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and we're all, we're all confident and calm in situations where we're comfortable. And, and when we go outside of our comfort zone, we're not, and it doesn't matter how old we are. And that's, that should be okay. You know, it should be okay to be a little shy or a little scared when you're 70 or 80 or 60, you know, because you're trying new things. Yeah, that's so true. I thought of another question I wanted to ask you. Do you guide people on how to reinvent themselves at older ages? I encourage them. I don't do it as a formal practice. I'm not a coach of any kind, but I I encourage people. Um, When I was um, maybe in my 40s, I read a book by Margaret Mead's daughter, I wish I could remember her name or the name of the book, but it was the idea of consecutive careers or serial careers. And her mother, Margaret Mead, believed in serial marriage. I don't know if you know that, <laughs> but she, she was married three or four times and she was always friends with the, the last guy, you know, but she's always like, all right, well, we're older now and we're done with that and it doesn't work right. So let me go on to the next marriage. It's not sad. It's not a horrible thing. So her daughter came up with this idea because she had children and she had serial careers. And she said, well, why do we have to just say I'm a, I'm a teacher and that's it, or I'm a, you know, I'm a waitress or I'm a singer, you know, just you can have multiple careers. And it's, it's a little bit easier for women because often we take time out if we have children or to be a caregiver to a, a parent. Um, but, you know, men should have that option too, um, to say, okay, I'm, I'm done being uh, an engineer and now I want to be an artist and that should be okay. Mm. Yeah, so absolutely. That leads me into my question. Um, what older women writers do you read and 
Who do you think has influenced you the most? Oh, number one, Alice Hoffman. Mm, you I know, love her. Alice Hoffman, the, the series, The Rules of Magic. I love her. Oh, magic. I her. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, her, her magical realism, those books are magical realism because they take place in the real world, but they're magic. And they're woman-centered, they're powerful women, um, often older women. So, and she's still writing. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Louise Penny, the uh, author, mystery author who just wrote a, a oh, with she, Hillary Clinton. Yes, have you read oh, her yeah. book with Hillary yeah. yet? I have not. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a it just came story. out, I believe. Yes, yeah. But I did yeah. just read one of her uh, detective series. Okay, okay, good. So yeah, yeah. so and you know her characters—they're um, not young people, most of them. Huh. And she's really, you know, inspiring. And um, I read her um, blog or newsletter, whatever. I'm I'm signed up for. I don't know what she calls it, but I get a periodic update on her life and. Um, so she inspires me, you know, her, um, I'm, I'm married and my husband is very healthy, but her husband died a few years ago. And what she wrote about getting through that, um, was, I thought very helpful, inspirational. If God forbid, I ever should have to do that. Just the idea of, of, um, being on your own again after, you know, many years in late life, I thought was very inspirational. Yeah. Do you, do you think that writing as an older woman, you're more creative or do you think more open to exploration of your, your thoughts and mind? What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm definitely more open um, and creative because I'm freer. You know, I don't have to um, make a career, you know, um, or make a living, I should say. Um, Although many older women do make a living at it. I, I'm comfortable enough in, in my retirement years that I don't have to write for the market. I don't have to wonder what will sell. Um, I write what is important to me to say. Yeah. You, you know, you have a, a blog that's really charming. Well, um, thank you. How long have you been doing it and um, how does that affect you? I have been doing it. Uh, gee, I should look that up. I would say at least five years. Mm-hmm. And I set it as a goal for myself um, once a month because writing, as you probably know, is filled with rejection. So I wanted to have something out there every month, regardless of whether or not any you know literary magazines were picking up my work. And, and luckily some do, but not as often as, as I would like. So um, that was one reason I did that. And, and I just wanted to connect with people that like to read and write and, you know, just see what they thought about some of my ideas. And you get some wonderful comments on there. Yeah, you have I some do. very engaged uh, readers. I do. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for looking. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, is there anything that you would like to add here that we might not have asked? I have a couple of um, funny things I wanted to share. Uh, the, the day that Where the Stork Flies was released, May 3rd of this year, it was on Amazon, the number one new release in Poland travel guides. Oh, <laughs> that's 
fabulous. That is great. <laughs> so, you know, that I makes guess it a bestseller. Yeah. Amazon um, algorithm thinks that time travel is a travel guide. So I'll accept that. <laughs> That's and, great. And the other funny thing is that they classified, when my publisher was doing the, the Library of Congress subject headings in the for the book, um, one of the headings was science fiction. And I said, no, no, I don't write science fiction. But it seems that time travel is considered science fiction. Huh. So I didn't I didn't realize that because I think of science fiction as like Star Wars, you know, really out yeah. there um, type things. But um, yeah, yeah. So but that's why I always like to say it's more magical realism. Uh-huh. And, and it, indeed it is. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Linda Wisniewski, author of Where the Stork Flies. Give it a read. It's really fun and interesting. You can find Linda on her website lindawiz.com that's l-i-n-d-a-w-i-s.com on instagram at linda c wisniewski the facebook writers page she has at lindawiz46 and you can sign up there for her newsletter and read her really charming blog posts thank you so much linda Oh, it's been really fun. Thank you. Thanks. It's been great. And we also want to remind our listeners to follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. Also visit our website, lateboomers.biz, that's B-I-Z, to drop us a line and tell us what you are enjoying. Thanks for listening. And we want to serve, entertain, and inspire you. Thanks again, Linda. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. 
So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.